Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. All right, Susie, KT, are you ready for today's podcast? Yeah, Robert, of course we're ready. Because we are unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm unstoppable, I'm a buzzer with no brakes, I'm invincible, yeah I win every single game, mine's so powerful, I don't need batteries to play, I'm so confident, yeah I'm unstoppable today. Good morning, Susie. How Good. is that? How is that cup of coffee? Do you <laughs> tell everyone I make you coffee every they morning? Now you make me coffee every morning, but really early. <laughs> we normally get up really, really early. But anyway, it is December seventh, two thousand and twenty-three. Welcome everybody to the Women and Money podcast, and everyone smart enough to listen. Today is the KT. Ask Susie anything with KT as your host. (laughs) Wait, wait. Today's a big day for all of our friends. We have so many birthdays celebrating out there. We do. We have Mel in England, our beautiful, bright Mel. We love you so So much. much, Yes. And we wish her so much uh, good health. We also have Peter Roth, our friend Peter. Who was CEO of Warner Brothers. Our Fabulous. Dear Peter. dear Peter. And our friend Annaline here on the island. She's she turned, from Norway. I think she turns 80 today. Wow. She's wonderful. And I got news for you. <laughs> to see her be on the treadmill or the elliptical Fishing. or riding her bike, you would Honest to God, thinks she was 35. It's yeah. an amazing thing, that Island woman. Island life, that's what it does. All right. Okay, let's get started, because I've got a whole host of great questions right, But here. before you start, my love, for those of you who would like to possibly have your question answered on the Women and Money podcast, all you have to do is write it in to AskSusie, S-U-Z-E, podcast at gmail.com. And if KT likes it and chooses it, guess what? We will answer it on this podcast. But be patient, because even if you wrote in a while ago, you never know. We may still get to it. All right, KT. All right. So the first one I've selected kind of made me feel like you're not alone out there, everybody. This is from Nancy. And Nancy said, hi, KT and Susie O., and when she said, Susie O, I had an inkling that she was a fan from the past. And she was. Not really. And but, she is. But the truth is, KT, every day I say, and this is Susie O, every time I just do it without you, I go, Susie O here. But everyone called her Susie O. And, and listen to what she said. I am an avid listener going back to your talk radio days. 
So what, what any of you, let me segue for a minute, Susie, and tell them we started with a radio show. We did. And that radio show, Susie would get really mad at me. It was four o'clock every afternoon. Premier Radio. I had a two or three hour. What was it? I it was like remember. three hours. Right. It started Radio at show four. live from four to seven, five days a week, besides everything else that I was doing. All right, so go on. And I would sit behind um, a glass screen that was in the control room and Susie and and where I would sit and wait and watch. And at four o'clock, I would fall asleep (laughs) in the middle of her show. And she would get so mad. She'd look through the glass and see me nodding off. But it was fun. It was a great show. And that's how we met our wonderful producer of many years on the Susie Orman television show, Because Amy I Feller. had this idea, oh, I know, let's take the radio show to TV. And somehow we got to do that, and that was the beginning of the Susie, the Susie Orman, Orman show. show, but we stopped doing radio and then just did TV. Okay, so back to Nancy. She said, Susie, I'm so glad I found you again on this podcast. I've read your book about retirement plans for 50 plus, and I thank you. So my question is, after all my research, (laughs) Susie, what are you talking about? (laughs) Oh, that's why you chose this (laughs) one. I chose Uh this because it's funny. It says, I know from you that I need to have a good mix of stocks and bonds, but then I see terms like mutual funds versus index funds versus ETFs. And then I look at my 401ks and IRAs, and I see things like Vanguard, trust, equities, real estate, fixed income, cash, money market. Ooh. I can't even tell by these terms what mix of stocks or bonds I have. Is there a secret handshake in the investment club and I don't know it? Which is which? So, Susie, let's set Nancy straight. You tell her. And by the way, her topic is types of investment terminology. She can't figure out what this all means. Tell her what to do. So, oh, thank you, Katie, for choosing this one. What do you want me to say to this person? No, truthfully, Nancy, and I say this with the utmost of respect, if you really, really, really want to know, then you can't give up and just saying, what are you talking about? What you can do is go on Google or any search website, and all you have to do is put in What's a mutual fund? What's an index fund? What's an ETF? It's a glossary, but more important, Nancy, just listen closely. If you listen to Susie's explanations, you won't have to wonder what the terms mean and what they are. Susie tells you better than any glossary yeah, but really, or no, but Katie, Google. She needs to understand the difference between a stock, a bond, an ETF, a mutual fund, equities versus real estate versus fixed income. She needs to understand the differences of all of those terms. And here's what I really want to tell you, Nancy. So many times you think you can't understand. You think that it's complicated. You think that there's no way that you can do this and that there is a secret investment club. There isn't. I promise you, I promise you that if you keep listening and or look up these terms, listen to what I tell you to do and things like that, you have what it takes. And how do I know that? 
because you've been smart enough to listen to me since the radio show days, which was 2001. So girlfriend, just stick with me. But more important, stick with yourself. All right. Okay. Next question is from Jim. Dear Susie and KT, I listen to your show every Thursday and Sunday on my walks, and I love your podcast. Thanks, Jim. My question is, why can we not have our trust be the beneficiary of an IRA account? My IRA account is with Charles Schwab. It gives me the option to fund the trust, so that's what I did, but I've been told it's not the right way to do it. Is he... Can you tell them the right way? So, Jim, it's a little confusing to answer this question because I'm not exactly sure when you say, why can't you have the trust be the beneficiary of an IRA account? There's no reason you can't. I don't know where you got that information from. So whoever is giving you information and they told you that, Stop listening to them because they're 100% wrong. A trust can't own an IRA, but a trust can most certainly be the beneficiary of an IRA account. So whoever told you that's not the right way to do it, they're probably 100% wrong. However, normally the best way to set up a beneficiary of any retirement account if you have a trust, is your spouse should be the primary beneficiary and the trust the secondary beneficiary, the contingent beneficiary. If you're not married, then the trust can be the primary beneficiary. All right. Are you wondering why that is, KT? Why the trust can be the primary? Yeah. No. Are you, why are you wondering? <laughs> why not? I listened to you and you said it can be, so who cares? I'll no. ask you again. Are you wondering why the trust shouldn't be the primary beneficiary if you're why? married? <laughs> oh, God. That's a good response, KG. Why? <laughs> tell oh. us. Tell us. Are you listening? Can that be your quizzy? <laughs> tell us. I can't. Oh, God, stop laughing. This is serious business here. That's All right. Are you ready? No. It can't, it can't, I don't even care. Just know that it can't be. All right, go on. All right, next or it question. Be. All next right. question. You got tears coming out of I your know. laughing eyes. If you could have seen her face when she said, why? <laughs> you would know why. We should We're, put this on TV, I'm telling you. I know we should, but I'm in a bathroom right now. All of you that want to see Susie and I at like, Three, four in the morning with our coffee, doing our podcast. She's in her robe. I have on my garden clothes already. Ask her to put us on television. I'm happy to do it. She sees my hair this morning. What do you say, Katie? <laughs> I said, hey, Susie, your hair looks great. You should see it. It's sticking out all over, all from both ends. So the the thing is here, we're going to have if a they podcast saw of just us, us laughing. If they saw us, I think they would like it. 
Why would they like it? <laughs> because it's so authentic. All right, ready? So next question is from Gabe. Hi, Susie. Question for you. I am already retired and would like to do some remodeling on my home. If I was to take a withdrawal from my Roth IRA account, would this be considered income or be taxed on the amount withdrawn? Please advise. Gabe. Obviously, this is going to be a hard podcast, everybody, to get through because Miss Travis is just too cute this morning. I can't even stand it. All right. So, Gabe, you say in here that you are already retired. So I am going to assume that you are 59 and a half years of age or older. So if that is true and the account has already been open for at least five years, you can take any amount of money that you want out without any taxes or penalties whatsoever. If it hasn't been open for at least five years, anything above your original contribution, you are going to pay income tax on. And if you're not 59 and a half, you're also going to have to pay a 10% penalty. All right. Susie, next question really caught my eye because it's called Gold Digger. Ready for this one? My father-in-law, who's a widower, wants to marry a woman who just arrived from a foreign country. Mm -hmm. His kids, including my husband, thinks she will inherit my father-in-law's home that's paid for and be entitled to all of his financial assets. We feel she's looking to inherit all that he has. He's 83, and she's in her late 60s. Is there anything my husband and his brothers can do to prevent her from inheriting anything from my father-in-law? Yes. It's a little tricky, this one. Well, it is and it isn't. Well, the father-in-law has to have a say in it, doesn't he? It depends on how close your father-in-law is to his kids. So if he really wants to protect his kids more than this woman, then the easiest way to do so is to put the kid's name on the title of the house as joint tenants with right of survivorship. It's also his bank accounts and everything should be entitled with the kids. Because how you title an asset overrides the wishes of a will and or a trust. So it does not matter what your will or trust says. If you own a home in joint tenancy with right of survivorship and your kids' names are on there, it's going to go to your kids, even if your trust and will says it's to go to my wife. What, KT? I just have a question. Joint tenant tenancy means you live together in it. No, it, it does doesn't. not. Absolutely All right, so not. I, it so your like joint it. tenancy with right of survivorship. Mm. You can own it with anybody you want. Just that mm. simple. Okay. So that's what I would do. However, if Papa doesn't want to do that, and he then owns it in his own name, and he takes out a will and a trust that leaves it to her, it's going to be very difficult for you to contest that. So I would go and be very honest with him and say, Dad, can we do this? If you change your mind in the future, okay, but can we do this just now to not only protect you, but also to protect 
all of us. I would be very honest with him. Yeah. Okay. What do you think he's going to say? So who knows? Love, love may. Um... It's not love. You can't love somebody like that when you've just met them, right? It's lust. I'm telling you. Okay. It's lust. All right. Lust is expensive. <laughs> okay. Ready? So next question is from a woman who had a very long story, and I kind of shortened it for you, for everybody, but it was a very long story. It says, Hi, Susie. When I got divorced many years ago, I found you, read all of your books, watched all of your shows, and you saved my life. You became my money guru, and I thank you so much for this. In those dark divorce days, the only thing I was panicked about was money, nothing else. With you as my guide, I started realizing I had made all the classic mistakes. Growing up, my father bought the paycheck home. My mother managed the books. Dad stayed out of it. We were poor-ish. I say that because my parents are also poor-minded. They didn't invest, and the only thing that ever mattered to them was the paycheck. Sad. Anyway, back to being me. So, after my divorce, I was able to buy my ex out of the home. Years later, I eventually bought another home and moved into that, selling the original home, and now I own my home outright. At 61, I recently lost my job due to the COVID layoffs. My question is, I have $220,000 sitting in cash in a Roth and traditional IRA. Do you have any suggestions as to how I should invest this? Here's the key, though. Before you invest it, it's really, really important that if you don't have income coming in right now, you're 61 years of age, so you're still too young for Social Security, how are you going to support yourself? Are you going to sell the house that you're currently living in? And if you are, then where are you going to live? So you have to make some really important decisions before you even decide what to do with your money. The money that is in the Roth and traditional IRA, before you go ahead and you invest it right now, at least make sure that it's in a money market account within the Roth and the traditional IRA, making you about four and a half or 5% in interest. That's number one. But that will just be for short term. Because once you have decided what is it that you need from this money? Is this money your security, especially the Roth one, so that you can take it out tax free to meet your bills or while you're not making a lot of money, why not take it out from the traditional IRA if you need to withdraw it? Because you're not going to pay a lot of taxes on it while you're in such a low tax bracket. You also may start to make the decision as to how much money in the traditional IRA you could convert to the Roth IRA so that eventually it's all tax-free, but you would see a tax person for that. But you need to get very, very clear, and this is for everybody, what do you want from your money? What do you need it to do for you? And as far as I can see in this particular situation, you probably need it to generate income for you. 
So if you're going to invest some of it, you might want to listen to last week's podcast last Sunday, where I talk about some dividend paying stocks that I really like, and just go slowly with it. But in the meantime, while you're figuring all of this out, if I were you, I would be putting it in a short-term money market fund right now, like I said, paying 4 or 5%, and possibly looking into longer-term treasury bonds, 20 or 30-year treasury bonds um, for some of it, as well as dividend-paying stocks and some money for growth, but you're going to keep a lot of it liquid until you know how you are going to be paying your bills. <sighs> I say that, KT, because I so wish I could go right through this microphone into their home and go, do this, do that, do that. I but I can't because I don't know enough about her, mm. her risk tolerance, all of that stuff. But, you know, maybe we're just going to have to do a program one day where people can sign up and where it tells them what to do with their money. Huh. Not a bad idea. What do you think? Should do it. They would love, people would love that. If you would love me to do something like that, write in on the community app and let me know. Right? Go on to the wall and I'll post a little thing that says, would you like me to start like an investment program for you, you know, or team up with somebody and do that or bring one to you from somebody I respect? Well, you'll answer me. Yes or no. Okay. Next question says, love the show. <laughs> Thanks for all the information and all you both do for women. I'm retiring and I want to roll my 401k over into a traditional account. My money is with Fidelity, so I figure I'll keep it there. I have a regular pre-tax and a Roth account. When I roll the money over, should I put it in a money market account to begin with? and slowly purchase index funds and ETFs in order to have a better dollar cost average, or just put it all in those funds to start. Also, Susie, I won't need the money anytime soon. So there you go. What should she do? Oh, see, here's another situation that I need to know more about you, your needs, your income level. What do you want from this money? You have to answer that. However, you know, it's funny, you can dollar cost average into something, but that doesn't always mean you're going to be buying it every month at a lower price. So sometimes if we find ourselves in a market like we have recently, that's been going up and up and up, if you dollar cost average, you're going to buy it one month at maybe $10 a share, the next month at 20, you're going to be averaging up, which isn't necessarily a great thing to be doing. But what dollar cost averaging does do is it protects you in case the markets start to go down so that you don't invest all at once and get seriously hurt. So when you convert this money from a traditional IRA to your Roth, you make sure that you consult with a tax person and you only convert that which won't put you in a higher tax bracket and kill you in taxes. So yeah, you would roll whatever amount is that you have over, you could possibly put it in a money market fund, and little by little, go into the ETFs that you want. But remember, you might be dollar cost averaging up. And if that's okay with you, 
which it probably should be, because what goes up usually does come down as well, that would be a great way to start. But I would not just put all of it into that into the funds to start. No way. It's quizzy time, everybody. It's when, quizzy time. Since when everybody. are you so excited to have a quizzy? Because it's quizzy time, everybody. Is that because you're hungry? <laughs> no. Come on. What's where's my quizzy? It's right here. I haven't done a quizzy. I'll tell you why I'm excited. When's the last time I did a quizzy? Can you remember? No. Before Thanksgiving. Huh. That was in November. You that's must the last. That. That's the last time I did a quizzy. Everyone, I'm sure all of you remember, but Susie doesn't remember. So I am raring and ready to go. All right, you everybody. Have one for me, quizzy time is. I ask KT a question versus KT asking me the questions that you've written in to see if KT has learned anything from the podcast and can she answer this correctly. And the goal of this is that it's your quizzy as well. You need to answer this question because it is a question. All of her quizzy questions I choose. It is a question that I have talked about on a previous podcast. So let's see. Are you a good listener or not? Hi, KT and Susie. I have a substantial amount of cash that is earning next to nothing in a low interest savings account. What is wrong with you, first of all? But that's besides the point. <laughs> Five plus interest sounds really good. If I put 250000 or more in a CD, by the way, you should be taking advantage of the 18-month certificate of deposit at 53 or 5.35% at Alliant Credit Union. Anyway, if I put 250000 or more in a CD and when the interest slash dividends hit, putting the balance over 250000 would the earned money be covered? When they say earned money, it means the FDIC and NCUA. Yeah. Would insurance. it be covered insurance-wise? Yeah, because remember- I have, to th I have to make an assumption here that if I were the FDIC or the NCUA and I'm encouraging people- to have money in, you know, my bank or credit union, then of course it's got to cover the earned money from that investment. Is that your final answer? <laughs> yeah. Is it? Is it <laughs> oh, no. All right. So then I wouldn't keep that much in. Well, or remember, everybody, while it is true that $250,000 is the limit that doesn't mean that you can't have different accounts. You could have an individual account. You could have a joint account. You could have a trust account and have $250,000 in each one. Or remember, for every beneficiary after the first beneficiary that you name on your certificate of deposit, your pay-on-death account, if you have two beneficiaries or three beneficiaries or four beneficiaries, you can get an extra $250,000. So if you, let's say, have three beneficiaries on your POD account, then you would have, okay, $500,000 of FDIC insurance. So the insurance for both FDIC and NCUA- Which is credit unions. Is yeah. for the account Yes. Not the individual. So as an individual, 
and I'm banking at Alliant, my credit union, I can have multiple accounts. Yes, you can. And they can absolutely surpass 250000 Absolutely. And they're all covered, them, each one. But you have to be very, very careful that you, as an individual, KT, you don't open up three accounts at Alliant Credit Union. Right, it has to be one account in your individual name. You could have another account with me, let's say, as a trust oh, account okay, or a okay. joint account or whatever it may be. But really, Karen, um, the person who wrote in on this, what really concerns me is that you've had so much money just sitting in a regular bank account. For those of you out there that are like Karen, and you're letting your money sit at a bank paying you 0.8% or 0.5%, why in the world would you be doing that? On $250,000 over the past year, you easily could have earned $12,500 on that $250,000. So it's like you just doing what? Throwing that money away. Are you kidding me? So again, you all know that I'm a tremendous advocate of the 18-month certificate of deposit at 5.3% for deposits under 75000 or 5.35% for deposits of 75000 or more at Alliant Credit Union. Fabulous rate, far higher than a two-year treasury note. Go to myalliant.com. Check it out. So, so Susie, what? December 7th is also a very significant day. Are you going to quiz me on what today is? You should know what today I is. I do know what else today is. It's, it's Colo's favorite holiday. Hanukkah. Oh. It's Hanukkah and the candles are ready. We said, by the way, everyone, Susie and I love to celebrate everything. And Hanukkah's super early this year. It's usually closer to Christmas, but we've got her Grandma Goldie's menorah polished and ready. Colo and I get that thing ready every year, and he polishes it up really nice. It's brass, and it's very old. We put the candles in, and at sunset tonight, Susie will sing. We'll say our prayers. We'll say our prayers for everybody out there who's going through a lot of hardship right now. And then in just 18 days, we celebrate Christmas, Christmas, right? So whatever holiday you happen to be celebrating with whatever religion you happen to be, we really hope that wherever any of you go, that what you get to experience is a world that is more peaceful, more joyful, and full of love. That is our wish for all of you. And when that really happens in this world, this entire world will be unstoppable. I'm unstoppable. I'm a buzzer with no brakes. I'm invincible. See, I win every single game. Mine's so powerful. I don't need batteries to play. I'm so confident. Yeah, I'm unstoppable today Unstoppable today Unstoppable today Unstoppable today yeah, I'm unstoppable
Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.